Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning. Another beautiful morning, as always, here as we move into the high season. It is 78 degrees, 77 degrees, and 74% humidity. We're still dropping on that humidity. It'd be interesting to see how low it's going to go this year. So it feels cool outside. We are in Ezekiel 5 and 6 this morning. I want to invite you guys to check it out, to open up your Bibles and get ready to look into it and read it along with us. Ezekiel 5, 6, and of course, 1 Timothy 4 this morning. God, thank you for the blessing of being here in this place, wherever we are, being able to have access to your word, time together, and being, God, built up, strengthened, encouraged, God, and also challenged. So thank you for everything you're showing us in your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, let's open up the word. Ezekiel 5 and 6. Jerusalem's desolation foretold. As for you, son of man, take a sharp sword. Take and use it as a barber's razor on your head and beard. Then take scales for weighing and divide the hair. One-third shall burn in the fire at the center of the city when the days of siege are completed. Then you shall take one-third and strike it with the sword all around the city, and one-third you shall scatter to the wind, and I will unsheath a sword behind them. Take also a few in number from them and bind them to the edges of your robes. Take again some of them and throw them into the fire and burn them in the fire. From it, a fire will spread to all the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, this is Jerusalem. I have set her at the center of the nations with lands around her. But she has rebelled against my ordinances more wickedly than the nations and against my statutes more than the lands which surround her. For they have rejected my ordinances and have not walked in my statutes. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have more turmoil than the nations which surround you and have not walked in my statutes, nor observed my ordinances, nor observed the ordinances of the nations which surround you. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I, even I, am against you, and I will execute judgments among you in the sight of the nations. And because of all your abominations, I will do among you what I have not done, and the like of which I will never do again. Therefore, fathers will eat their sons among you, and your sons will eat their fathers. For I will execute judgments on you and scatter all your remnant to every wind. Verse 11, so as I live, declares the Lord God, surely Because you have defiled my sanctuary with all your detestable idols and with all your abominations, therefore I will have no pity and will not spare one-third of you will die by plague and be consumed 
by famine among you. One third will fall by the sword around you, and one third I will scatter to every wind. I will unsheath a sword behind them. Thus my anger will be spent, and I will satisfy my wrath on them, and I will be appeased. Then they will know that I, the Lord, have spoken in my zeal when I have spent my wrath upon them. Moreover, I will make you a desolation and a reproach among the nations which surround you in the sight of all who pass by. So it will be a reproach, a reviling, a warning, and an object of horror to the nations who surround you when I execute judgments against you in anger, wrath, and raging rebukes. I, the Lord, have spoken. When I send against them the deadly arrows of famine, which were for the destruction of those whom I will send to destroy you, then I will also intensify my famine upon you and break the staff of bread. Moreover, I will send on you famine and wild beasts, and they will bereave you of children, plague, and of bloodshed also will pass through you, and I will bring the sword on you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Chapter 6. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face towards the mountains of Israel, and prophesy against them, and say, Mountains of Israel, listen to the word of the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God to the mountains, the hills, the ravines, and the valleys, Behold, I myself am going to bring a sword on you, and I will destroy your high places. So your altars will become desolate, and your incense altars will be smashed, and I will make your slain fall in front of your idols. I will also lay the dead bodies of the sons of Israel in front of their idols, and I will scatter your bones around your altars. In all your dwellings, cities will become waste, and the high places will be desolate. That your altars may become waste and desolate, your idols may be broken, and brought to an end, your incense altars may be cut down, and your works may be blotted out. The slain will fall among you, and you will know that I am the Lord. However, I will leave a remnant, for you will have those who escaped the sword among the nations when you are scattered among the countries. Then those of you who escape will remember me among the nations to which they will be carried captive. How I have been hurt by their adulterous hearts, which turned away from me, and by their eyes, which played the harlot after their idols. And they will loathe themselves in their own sight for the evils which they have committed, for all their abominations. Then they will know that I am the Lord. I have not said in vain that I would inflict this disaster on them. Thus says the Lord God, clap your hand, stamp your foot, and say, Alas! Because of all the evil abominations of the house of Israel, which will fall by sword, famine, and plague, he who is far off will die by the plague, and he who is near will fall by the sword. And he who remains and is besieged will die by the famine. Thus I will spend my wrath on them. Then you will know that I am the Lord when their slain are among their idols, around their altars, on every high hill, on all the tops of mountains, under every green tree, and under every leafy oak. The place 
where they offer soothing aroma to all their idols. So throughout all their habitations, I will stretch out on my hand against them and make the land more desolate and waste than the wilderness towards Dibla. Thus they will know that I am the Lord. Ezekiel, getting very clear and very strong um, words from the Lord and visions there in Babylon, understanding what is coming upon Jerusalem. They've already had the deportation come upon them. That's why they're in Babylon, but they're still not those left as a nation as a whole, whether they're in Babylon or whether they're back in Jerusalem, they're still not repenting. And so God tells them, he tells them to, to make this little model of Jerusalem and lay siege against it, show them what's going to happen. And now he tells them to cut his hair. It's a very interesting study to see how he divides his hair and, and what he does. Again, it's more illustration to show that God is going to come and burn them up. And there's going to be a, Jerusalem's going to be set ablaze and there's going to be a lot of people that die. And interesting how God says, you're going to die in front of their idols. I mean, how horrible. God is going to show them the emptiness of that false worship system and how they're all going to fall and die because they've chose to follow after a lie. And there's a lot in there that we can see that's going on in the world today, that following after a lie. The gods of, I guess, of prosperity, of money, the gods of lust and greed, and those kind of gods are the gods we worship today. And people are willing to die at the altars of those rather than repent and change before God. It's so sad. But what's interesting is that God says he's going to make them a reproach and a horde of the nations so that, that he is going to do this so the nations can see that he is the real God and they would fear him seeing the horrors of what happened to Israel. And when you look, we've just come out of Ezra, going into Nehemiah, what happened after they came out and built the temple, you find out when the Persian kings came in, Cyrus, Darius, Artaxerxes, when these guys realized, when they realized that they were dealing with the God of Israel and saw what he did to them, and they would tell them, we are here in your, in captivity in Babylon because of what our God did to us for our unfaithfulness. It's amazing how they clicked and went, we don't want to upset this God. We fear this God. And they started looking into the history and the power of this God. And they go, we need to build a temple. We need to let them build their city. We need to do everything we can to be nice to the God of Israel because we know he's powerful. So it did have that effect after the fact. They, we do see it even illustrated in the Bible. Quite interesting. First Timothy 4, but the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times, some will fall away by the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. By means of of the hypocrisy of liars, seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron, men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which are created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. 
For it is sanctified by means of the word of God in prayer. Verse 6, in pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished on the words of faith and of the sound doctrine which you have been following. But have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance, for it is for this we labor and strive, because we have fixed our hope on the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of believers. Prescribe and teach these things. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Show yourself an example to those who believe. Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Preserve in these things. For as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. Timothy must have been an amazing young man that Paul could look at him and see that he had been given by the Holy Spirit a good, a great gift of teaching and pastoring. And so he's encouraging them. But notice all the warnings of what was going on around them in those days, that men would turn aside to all kinds of doctrines of, of demons. And there was all these stories floating around, the myths that and the fables uh, only fit for old women, he says. These things that were coming into the church and therefore, there's a strong, strong admonition for him to teach the Word of God. That is what we are to do. And it's, it never grows old. We are to encourage one another and go through the Word of God, teaching and admonishing one another, lifting up each other, and singing songs and spiritual songs and hymns and all kinds of things because there is always the attack that comes with these myths, these weird concepts and fables and the doctrines of demons which come into the church and they still plague the church today. The whole prosperity thing, the whole we're all saved, everybody's going to heaven, there's no accountability or as a believer, you can be demon-possessed, and therefore you need deliverance, you need deliverance service. And these things are not found when you soundly teach the Word of God. You will find that the Bible defines the, clearly, I believe, the doctrine of Christ in the Bible, and, and we're exhorted to teach those things and not shrink away from them and to continue to go through them 
And this is the importance of why we do what we do every day here and why we go through the word from Genesis to Revelation. It's so exciting for me to get encouraged from many of you that say, (laughs) never gone through the whole Bible. I've never actually heard the whole Bible taught chapter by chapter, verse for verse. This is exciting. This is transformative. This is making a huge impact and a difference in my wife, in, in my life, <laughs> probably my wife too, um, as we move through the Word of God and we come alive. I know I did. I'd been in many churches until I stumbled into a Calvary Chapel and heard them teaching chapter by chapter and verse by verse. I thought, wait a minute, this is different. This is deep. This is refreshing. This is truth. And and then you have the answers for these doctrines of demons that come into the, that have so many things that we're hit with so many different things. A friend of mine recently as a, as a believer, but has just not been in a good church for a long time, was very concerned that someone put a curse on him. He says, you know, I've got a curse on me. And we were talking to him and said, you got the Holy Spirit? Jesus lives in you? Yeah, well... Though no weapon formed against you will stand. God, the Lord God is in you. He is your protection. Just take up the shield of faith, and he'll fight your battles. You may, you may get molested by a demon or something, but they don't have power over you. You're the son of the king. And, well, yeah, yeah. And then you just start going over scriptures. See, the enemy, the strongest weapon is fear and, and deception. And so if he can get you to believe that you've been cursed, that you're under some type of magic, then that itself becomes the curse. It's a self-fulfilling kind of prophecy. If you're going to believe that you're already there and, and you're going to start looking and expecting all the bad things to happen, these are the kinds of doctrines of demons that come into the church. But if you're in the Word and you study the Word, then God reassures you and you have more of a stronghold, the bulwark, the the wall of defense, and you go, no, I'm standing on the word of God. I know, I know that these things cannot defeat me and come against me. So we, we get encouraged and built up, and then we encourage one another. Charles Spurgeon, for the Lord will not cast off his people, neither will he forsake his inheritance, Psalm ninety four fourteen. No, nor will he cast even so much as one of them. Man has his cast-offs, but God has none. His choice is unchangeable, and his love is everlasting. None can find out a single person whom God has forsaken after having revealed himself savingly to him. This grand truth is mentioned in the psalm to cheer the heart of the afflicted. The Lord chastens his own, but he never forsakes them. The result of the double work of the law and the rod is our instruction. And the fruit of that instruction is a quieting of spirit, a sobriety of mind, out of which comes rest. The ungodly are let alone till the pit is digged into which they fall and be taken. But the godly are sent to school to be prepared for their glorious destiny hereafter. Judgment will return and finish its work upon the rebels, but it will equally return to vindicate the sincere and godly. Hence, we may bear the rod of chastisement with 
calm submission. It means not to anger, but love. So we are to endure the things that are brought against us and wait. God is going to judge those that have been malicious and have done things specifically to hurt us. And uh, it is it is God's intention to bless and to comfort, which is <laughs> comforting. He is not the vengeful, wrathful God that we have, many of us grew up believing him to be. I know I did when I was a teenager, confusing things about the nature of God. Now, as I even read through the Old Testament, I see his constant, constant hand of protection and love on his people, but he does chastise them. They're in Ezekiel. They're in Babylon, and, and God is in their chastisement saying, there is more and more destruction coming upon you by the hand of man if you do not turn against me. I don't know if it's, I mean, it is God's will that he was going to have Jerusalem destroyed, but at the same time, that will is simply taking off the protection to let the natural course of the deprivation of the heart of man to, to do violence one against another. In other words, uh, he wasn't making Babylon attack Israel and come against them, against their will. No, they wanted the power and control. That's the natural heart of man. And, and so God was always warning Israel, if you'd follow me and love me, I will be your protection, your shield, and your strength. And he, he went out of his way. And, of course, ultimately he came down to earth and went way out of his way and left his throne and humbled himself and came down in the form of a servant so that he might be able to show us there's a way he could bring us peace and, and, and overcome the sin that's in our life and overcome the situation of the world. That is a loving God. That is a tremendously loving God. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your never-ending love and your compassion and your desire to help those that are hurting and to give us, God, understanding. God, we look to you for the things that you're doing now, and we ask that you would grant us peace and give us, God, these, these days ahead to see the things that you desire to do in not only our churches, but in our nations, to bring this message of peace, this message of salvation. And may we be those instruments of peace and bring in that message in these dark and terrible days. We pray continually for the, for the release of these captives in Gaza. We thank you for the progress being made. We pray that it's a quick end, God, as we're seeing that they are making great progress. But it's obvious, God, there is a demonic, huge demonic element to this. And we see it's all connected to prophecy. Israel is constantly at the heart of all world events and all prophecies, and your Jewish people have always been those that have been the persecuted the most. So we pray for the peace of Jerusalem and that you help them survive the people that are held captive and you help them be returned and you help Israel, God, end this war. And then prayerfully, God, the world will see that your hand of protection is upon them and um, relent until you decide it's time to come to come for your church. So thank you. We do pray for the continual healing of our brothers and sisters out there that need it, for the new people coming to church and those that are hungry and thirsting and looking for 
help that are empty, the people that are in this city that are quickly find out, God, that this city, by all of its, all that it has to offer in the flesh is so temporal, and it's become so empty, and it's so pointless. So, God, we pray that you bring in the, the lost, the hurting, the sinners, God, that are completely fed up and done with, with the insanity of this world and also just the emptiness. Bring them in, God, touch them and save them. To pray for everything going on with the preparation for the mission conference happening soon. We pray for healing of different people that are sick, Antonio and, and Randy, um, and different people that have, have health issues, Dodie, and for everything you need to do down there and all the work they're doing, getting ready for this conference. God, you'd help them and just just be the God of, of this whole conference center and all that you're going to do to encourage people and bring them into a full knowledge of your love for them. So thank you, God, for what you're doing through them too. And we give you all praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys again for being with us. And we will pick this up again tomorrow. And I will put the right chapter on First Timothy. I think tomorrow we will be in chapter 5 tomorrow. So we will see you then. Bye-bye. Thank you.